Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. I wonder if you got to listen to my last podcast, You Are Part of a Mighty Army. If you didn't get to listen to it, do go back and pick it up. You will find it so uh, powerful and encouraging. If you did listen to it, I wonder if you have thought any more about this deserting army that I talked about. God, in his word, in Psalm 68, 11 and 12, talks about a great army. It doesn't say an army. It says a great army. And this army is in the home. Sadly today, there are many, many who belong to this army who have deserted their homes. They're not there in their homes. I believe this is a great matter for prayer in this hour. It is a great uh, revival that is needed of turning back the fathers, as the Bible says, and the mothers to their homes. And uh, today, of course, we're speaking about this army that's in the home. And I want to talk a little bit more about it today. I have a few more thoughts. Uh, In fact, when I first got this revelation uh, on Psalm 68... I spoke about it at our Washington Above Rubies retreat earlier this year. And uh, then we came to the airport uh, to go home. And as we sat, and there was a whole crowd of us because I had taken with us um, Serene and Pearl and Evangeline and and, uh, not only my daughters, but granddaughters and great grandbabies so it was a great entourage of us but as we sat down we looked at this woman who was crying so sad when you go to an airport and there's someone crying and so upset but we noticed that she had a military bag beside her and uh, we thought oh I wonder if this woman is being deployed And as we began to talk to her, yes, that was the truth. And why was she crying? This mother was leaving two little children. She was leaving a little baby and a little toddler. And being sent away for, it was at least one year, it might have even been two. You can imagine how she felt leaving these little children precious children and uh, we said to her wasn't there any way you could get out of it and she said I tried I tried there were many many single women who wanted to go and take this post they wanted it with all their hearts I didn't want it because I'm a mother but no they wouldn't give it to them they said I had to do it and of course if you desert in the army there is big punishment And so here she was, having to go, having to leave her precious children. Of course, what she didn't realize, that she was 
deserting an even more powerful army that she belonged to. And it was a more important post that she was leaving. And uh, Serene was there, and of course, with her mother heart holding her little newborn, she was totally imploring her, oh, just don't go, don't go, don't go. But of course, that wasn't possible. I don't believe in women being deployed overseas. In fact, why do they even enlist in the army in the first place? Because it's not biblical. It's not what God intends. He intends the men to go out to war. Whatever you read in the Word, it's the men going out into the battle. It's the women who are at home holding the fort. And we see this in this beautiful, beautiful picture that we've been talking about in Psalm 68, how the men went out to fight the battle, but the women were at home. They were holding down the hatches at home. They were taking the responsibilities at home. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, another little thought, I had a, a wife who's married to a Marine talk to me recently, and she said, Nancy, uh, we often find that um, the men uh, in the Marines, they often have to do what is called standing duty, and they have to stand for 24 hours hours on guard. That means without sleep. And uh, that's not an easy thing to do. And I don't think everybody in the world has the caliber of our current president. I was watching an interview with him uh, just the other night on Hannity. And uh, he was interviewing him as he uh, finished his big um, talks with Kim Jong-un. And when he was interviewing him, he had been awake for 25 hours and actually he looked as, as fresh as if he'd just woken up but anyway back to these men and marines who have to go on standing duty they are usually given preparation time to prepare uh, to do their duty so that they can get you know catch up on some good sleep and be prepared ready to be able to do it but unfortunately, a lot of them don't bother to prepare and they still keep late nights and just want to go to their party and do whatever they want to do. And then it comes to their standing duty and they can't make it and they even fall asleep on duty. And of course, there's punishment for that. But I think that relates to us too as the army in the home. We have such a great assignment from God and many times uh, we don't prepare for it. In fact, I believe as mothers, we have to prepare for each day. We can't just do what we like into the hours of the night and think that we're going to be fresh and able and strengthened the next day to tackle our job of raising our children, which is a huge job, and managing our home. No, we have to prepare. And I think it is important that mothers go to bed at a reasonable hour. And uh, 
don't stay up late reading into the hours of the night. Now, I say that because that is a discipline that I have had to work on. I especially had to work on that as a young mother because I've always loved reading. And, of course, before I was married, I would read into the hours of the night and I was a total bookworm, came to marriage, motherhood, all these little children around me, and I just want to keep reading my books. And if I had a really good, exciting one, I'd want to read into the hours of the night. Then, could I cope the next day? No, I was hopeless. And so I had to discipline myself so that I didn't read books. Uh, Of course, I would keep really exciting books for vacation time and just read the word as I was going off to sleep because I had to be prepared for the next day. Now today, not everybody's a reader, but everybody's on social media. I was talking to a friend recently who belongs to a homeschool Facebook group book, uh, group, face group, group or whatever. Anyway, she was saying it was most enlightening because she found that at about 10 o'clock, this Facebook with all these mothers would come alive. Now they've got everything done. It's the end of the day. Now it's their time. They get on social media. But it's getting later into the evening and uh, often they stay on there for a long time. And instead, they should be preparing for the next day, for their great assignment. And what about just going to bed with their husband? He's tired. He goes to bed. And you are still up on social media. And he's waiting for you in bed and so we're deserting the bedroom and then we're getting so tired we're going to desert our post the next day and so these may seem little things but we have to be mothers who are prepared for the job and that takes me on to another point I actually have four more points I'd like to speak about on this subject. The first one is purposeful mothering. I believe that we have to be purposeful about our mothering. We can mother in all kinds of ways. In fact, every mother loves her children. I mean, every mother no matter who she is, should die to save her child. She loves her children passionately. But not every mother loves motherhood. They may love their children, but they don't love motherhood. And this is something we need to come to because this changes the whole atmosphere, the whole attitude the whole way of living, of our mothering, when we not only love our children, (coughs) but we love mothering, it changes. We enter into the joy of mothering. We enter into the purpose of mothering. We enter into the anointing of mothering. 
And uh, many mothers, they may have an extra job as well, and they can care for their children, clothe them, feed them, make sure everything is fine. But mothering is so much more than that. We have to have a purpose. We have to know what we're doing. We have to realize this is not a part-time job. This is something God has given to us full-time. We, we're not to be just pathetic mothers, but passionate Mothers, passionate about being mothers, passionate about waking up each morning to fulfill this great career that God has given to us. And uh, you say, well, help, goodness me, do I have to be all just worked up and passionate about mothering? Well, aren't we meant to walk as Jesus walked? I was challenged about that this morning. My husband read in our daily devotions the scripture from, um, where is it? Um, Let's see, did I write it down? Yes, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And so, if we are born again, if Christ dwells in our hearts, we'll be wanting to walk like he walked. How did Jesus walk? In other words, how did he live? Was it just pathetically? No, he lived passionately. In fact, he lived an abundant life. He said these very words himself, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That word literally means super abundantly, over the top, above and beyond, more than enough. It's speaking about something that's not ordinary, not status quo, not boring. It it is more. It's not just life, but more than life, because it's Christ's life. And we also see how that when Jesus um, went into the temple, what did he do? In fact, way back in Psalm 69 verse 9, it's, it's a prophetic word talking about Jesus and it says, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And one day when Jesus walked into his house and he saw in the temple all the money changers at their tables selling and going on and oh, his heart was grieved and Oh, he just rose up with his passion and his zeal and he he threw out these money changers and he whiffed them out of the temple and he threw over the tables and he shooed out the oxen and all the animals and he cried out, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And when that happened, the disciples remembered that prophetic scripture which said, The zeal of my house hath eaten me up. Well, have we even got a little wee bit of zeal that Jesus had? I believe we should become zealous mothers. Why be 
boring and status quo. That doesn't change the world. We've got to rise up into a whole new attitude and an attitude of purpose because we have purpose. God has given it to us. He has mandated it. We didn't decide we were going to take up the career of motherhood. No. God put it in us right from when we were created. It's innately within us. He even created us physically for the task. And then he mandated it in his word. It's a divine calling, not just something we decide to do. It's something mandated from God. Now, anything that we have from God, surely we can do with passion and zeal. Don't you think? I do. Now, another important part of our being this great army of mothers at home is that we're also to be protecting mothers. Uh, That's mothers who are watchdogs, mothers who guard over their homes. When I was raising our children, uh, I read this scripture. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And it's a prayer that Paul prayed over the Thessalonian believers. And as I read this prayer, it was just quickened to me and I I just took it up as my own. I, I made it my purpose. I made it my goal for raising our children. And this is what it says. And the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. Now, it's not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Sanctify you wholly, every part of your being. And I pray, God, your whole, there it is again, whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that became my prayer, my purpose, that when I stand before God, as I will do, and I will have to present all my children, and now, since those days, it's grandchildren as well, and even great-grandchildren, And I stand before him, and I have to present them before him. How do I present them? Will they be whole, whole, spirit, soul, body? Wow. Now, we may not make the fulfillment of that whole fully, but we have it as a goal, we have it as a purpose. You see, motherhood is far more than just caring for the bodies of your children. It's their souls, their spirits. And that word preserved, wow, it's the Greek word terio, and it means to guard from loss or injury by keeping your eye upon. And so, as watchdogs, a watchdog has to be there. 
if the watchdog's gone, he's not a watchdog. If the mother is gone from the home, home, if this mother is deserting the home, well, the watchdog is not there. And God wants us to be there keeping our eye upon. It's not just little wee ones we have to watch. In fact, we watch our children in different ways at different stages. I'm sure many of you older mothers will just say amen to that. When you're watching your little ones, you're having to guard them that they don't hurt themselves and guard them here and there, and you've just got to watch over them physically. But then as they get older... You don't have to watch over them physically so much. They've learned to protect themselves. But you're still watching over their hearts, their minds, their souls, their spirits. Oh my, that is a far greater watching. And that takes time. And that takes being there. Because... Often there's a greater watching needed over our older children growing up into their teens as even when they were little. So precious, lovely mothers, can I encourage you? Don't vacate your post. Don't vacate your standing duty. Don't vacate this great mandated career God has given to you. Be a purposeful mother. Be a protecting mother. And be a praying mother. Of course, one of the greatest ways that we uh, protect our children is, especially as they're getting older, and they know how to protect themselves physically now, but we are protecting them in prayer. Oh, mothers, do you think that you can get away mothering without praying for your children? I couldn't. I couldn't survive. I had to pray. I couldn't make it without praying. In fact, when our our older children were teens, we moved from the sweet little lovely country of New Zealand and we just kind of went over uh, the sea a little bit to Australia. And we lived there for the next 10 years. But when I took our family there, most of our children were getting into their teens or already in their teens. And uh, we didn't go to a nice little town in Australia. We went to the Gold Coast, surface paradise. And we um, pioneered a church right there in surface paradise. And our church was right opposite the casino. Um, on the Gold Coast. In fact, our house looked out on the casino and uh, the, the bedrooms of our children looked out on the casino. And this was just the playground of Australia and it was filled with nightclubs and every bit of flesh and materialism and oh, oh, Bringing my teenagers and my children into this place. How am I going to survive? Well, there was only one way to survive, and that was pray. But of course, prayer has power. And 
no matter where we are, as we pray over our children, God will keep them. I love that scripture in Deuteronomy 28. It's the blessing chapter. Well, I call it the blessing chapter, but I'm sure, as you know, there are far more cursings in that chapter than there are blessings, although I usually just read the blessings. Now, the first blessing, apart from the fruit of your womb, is that God will bless you in the city and bless you in the country. Oh my, what a powerful promise. Now I know maybe I'm speaking to some mums today and you think, oh, if only I could just get out of this city. If only we could take our family out to the country where it's peaceful and we're just, you know, it'd be so much more wonderful and so much better for raising our children. And yes, I will admit, it's a wonderful blessing to raise your children in the country. Now our grandchildren, not all of them, but a good many of them have this wonderful blessing and we now live in the country. And our grandchildren, in fact, three of the families of our um, daughters, the three daughters, they've all grown up together around here on the hilltop. And so the children have grown up together. And not only are they like brothers and sisters, but the cousins are like brothers and sisters. And they've been so blessed to grow up in this environment. But my children didn't, my children didn't grow up like that. And so I would go out each morning. I would walk the beach. We were right on surface paradise and, and broad beach. And I would walk down the beach with the rolling breakers coming in off the Pacific and just cry out to God for my children. Cry out to God. Dear mothers, God hears your cry. And he kept our children even in that evil environment. In fact, I remember one time, I have to tell you this story, um, we had a lady come to our church. We were always having visiting people because we were right on the Gold Coast where, uh, you know, people are just traveling all the time. And this lady came and, and uh, we always loved to show hospitality. Uh, and every Sunday, we'd invite people back from church to our home. Often we'd end up with 30 or 40 people back home. And Colin would invite people. I would invite people. And as the children grew up, the teens, they'd be going around inviting other people too. So we'd end up with all these people and have such glorious fellowship together. Anyway, this lady came. She was from Texas. I said, oh, come home and have some fellowship. She was staying at the casino, uh, which was opposite the church because their family were having a big reunion. So she enjoyed the fellowship. I said, come back next Sunday after church. We'd love to have you. However, during the week, I got a call. Nancy, I'm just calling to say I won't be coming home to your place for dinner after church because I'm going home. I, I can't stay in this place any longer. She said, you see, I come from the South. Well, I hadn't a clue what that meant, come from the South. What did that have anything to do with her going home? It wasn't until a few years later when we came to the South that I understood. And, you see, 
back there on the Gold Coast, it's a little bit like Florida and maybe LA where it's so hot and people don't wear very much. And in fact, everybody is very scantily clothed and, and uh, we would go down to baptize people in the greatest, hugest baptismal pool in the world, the Pacific Ocean. But we would have to cover our eyes as we went down past the topless bathers. And this was the scene of the Gold Coast in, in which we were just surrounded and sadly... Although you hated it and you're vexed by it, you kind of in some way got used to that environment. But this precious sister from Texas, she was there for one week and could not take it. Well, when we eventually came to the States and we came to Nashville, the buckle on the Bible belt, and way back then when we came, that was about 27 years ago, it was more conservative than it is now. And we arrived. Wow, people were clothed. It was amazing. Wow. And all of a sudden I thought, now I know what that lady was saying when she said, oh, I'm from the South. But anyway, that's kind of explaining the environment uh, in which our children grew up. But God kept them through prayer and they ended up being on the offensive and all our young people they uh they actually uh, began to go out onto the streets into Cavill Moor which was an open air mall there and they would preach on the streets and uh, they would all preach right from our eldest son right down to little Pearlie some of you know Pearl and Serene through Trim Healthy Mama. Back then, Pearlie was just a little girl and she would preach in her squeaky little voice. But they got out there and they preached the gospel. I remember my son, Rockland. Uh, he was just a young teenager. who had come out of the surf, barefoot in, in jeans and begin to preach like three Billy Grahams put together and crowds would gather as he preached the gospel. And so, and then from that, they even moved on. Our, our son's got a vision for putting on uh, a Christian uh, nightclub in our city because it was filled with worldly nightclubs. And, and they were such a temptation to the young Christians. And, and uh, so our sons felt, we need something for the Christians here. And so they began to bring in Christian bands and uh, they just set up a whole thing in our church and where they had food and pool and table tennis and Christian bands and testimony and, and uh, they called it Club Genesis. And interestingly enough, the band that was the most popular was, guess who? The Newsboys. And... Uh, they were the only band that got out into the prayer meeting and prayed up a storm about an hour before they played. And eventually my son, Wes, he began to uh, do their sound. Then he became their manager. Then he brought them to the States. And, of course, he has made them to what they are today, one of the very uh, big Christian bands um, in USA today. That all happened back on the Gold Coast of Australia. But 
time is going and uh, I think what I'd like to encourage you is go to my website aboverubies.org and then go to articles and stories. Oh, ladies, there's just so many stories, testimonies, articles there to bless you on every subject. But go to the subject of uh, prayer in the home. And uh, under that, you, you want to read everything there, but particularly pick up how to pray for your children. You could print it out. These are the prayers that my husband and I pray over our children. And I have scriptures with every prayer. Now, you can't pray every one over them every day. There's so many. You take one each day and pray it over your children. In fact, never let a day go by without you and your husband together praying over your children, each one by name. Now, you can do it, because if I can do it, you can do it. And we've got more names than you have. I'm sure we have more names than you have with all our children and their spouses and their children and their children and their children. And so maybe you've just got seven or eight names. You can do it. Talk to your husband. Say, darling, I just feel... We just can't get through without praying for our children. When do you think would be the best time? You tell me, do you think we should get together in the morning before you go to work or maybe in the evening? You tell me the best time and I'll make it and we'll just pray together. And if you can't pray anything else with your husband, pray for your children. And so check that out. Check out how to pray for your husband and check out our priestly responsibility. That's another powerful article uh, I give you about how to pray over your children. Now, uh, I've got one more P, but I think we'll do that in our next episode. And a special, ladies, because I'm going to ask my daughter Evangeline to come and join me in that episode. And we're going to talk about the next P then. So let me pray for you as we end this session. Dear Father, I thank you for these precious mothers. Oh God, I pray that you will uh, just, just make the conviction of your mandated mothering more and more powerful in their minds and in their hearts. Just bring them in to your purpose for mothering. Oh God, raise them up to be mighty watchdog protective mothers not only over their bodies of their children, but their souls and their spirits and their minds and their emotions. And Lord, I pray that you'll make them above all praying mothers, mothers who never let a day go by without praying and interceding for their children. Oh God, I ask it in the precious name of Jesus and I ask your blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.